Good morning. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning, if you were, to Matthew chapter 11, the 11th chapter of Matthew, beginning at verse 28. We're going to look at a few verses here, words spoken by our Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples and to others there at the time. Before we read the passage and pray, just want to thank Jenny for that excellent song. Isn't it true that God's grace is amazing? When we look at how he stooped down so low to come to this world and save us from our sin, it is truly amazing grace. I love it in the hymn. It says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You can't sugarcoat sin. You can't say I wasn't too bad because in God's sight, we're all too bad. We're all bad. But he loves us and he came to save each and every one of us and show us his unconditional love. Shall we just open in a word of prayer this morning? Father, we thank you for the privilege once again of being able to read your word, to share in it this morning. We pray that the Holy Spirit will take over this morning and bring forth the word of God in such a way that will challenge our hearts, convict us, uplift us and encourage us. Lord, we need you so desperately every day. We pray for those who are here this morning that don't yet know the Savior, that today will be the day they accept him. And experience for their set from their for themselves, Lord, the amazing grace of God. And we just pray now that you'll hide me behind the cross and just pray that your word would flow through today and be a blessing to each one in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when we go through life and you look around at all the things that are happening in the world, whether you look at it in the computer, on the radio, TV, whatever it is. It's amazing how things are happening. You have natural disasters. You have people being murdered. You have all kinds of happenings in this world. Isn't it good to know that we have Jesus, that we have him in our lives, that he's changed our lives, that we've experienced his grace and that no matter what happens all around us, the Lord is with us and he'll always will be and he will take us safely home to heaven. You know what Jesus wants from each one of us is a personal relationship, a personal relationship, a one on one relationship. That's what he cares about. And that's the amazing thing about God and our savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves us individually so much. He wants to have a personal talk with us every day, a communication, a relationship forever. And that's a blessing. Well, our subject today, as we're going to see from this passage in Matthew, is being yoked with Christ, being yoked with Christ. Let's read together. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Speaking of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is is light. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts this morning. It's just a simple outline. The acronym and Vince will like this is CAL, C-A-L, C-A-L. So hopefully that'll help us to remember the points. The first point is come to Christ. That's the C. Secondly, accept his yoke. That's the A. And then the third point is L, learn from him. C-A-L, simple message, come to Christ, accept his yoke and learn from him. 
You know, not too many of us even know what the word yoke means. You don't hear it in our modern vernacular today. What's a yoke? Well, I looked it up in the dictionary and it is a wooden frame or bar with loops or bows at either end fitted around the necks of a pair of oxen, etc., for harnessing them together. It can also mean to join together or to link, to be yoked. To be joined in marriage is, is a yoke. And rarely it means to enslave vis-a-vis to be joined together or closely united. When you think about the yoke that the Lord Jesus has, he says, it's my yoke. And it's a unique and personal relationship he has with us. And he wants us to take his yoke and bear his yoke throughout our wilderness journey here on earth. Well, let's look first of all at verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The key to it all is coming to Jesus. It's not coming to a religion or a philosophy or anything like that. It's coming to a person. It's coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who can save. He is the one who alone can say, come to me. Or as the King James Version says, come unto me. And when a person comes to Christ and is saved, they take the yoke of Christ. They bear the yoke of Christ. And that's what he wants us to do. I like John 6:37 that says, All that the Father has given to me shall come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast away. You can have confidence this morning that if you heed that call to come to Christ, he will not cast you away. He will not turn you away. He will not shun you. He will not say too late for you. He will not say you did too much wrong, too much sin. No. He says, come, come to me. You can have confidence in that. He says in another passage to the disciples when he called them one by one, follow me. The Lord was very simple and very clear. Come unto me, follow me. And it's a word that's spoken to your heart and to my heart this morning. Come to me. And who is supposed to come? It says in this verse, all who labor and are heavy laden. That fits every sinner today. It fits every person who's weary and heavy laden. You know, when you go through your life and you're carrying around that burden of sin, it's heavy. It's a heavy load to carry. The load of guilt, the load of shame, the load of sin is a a tough burden to carry. Sometimes recently we have saw that commercial on TV uh, for they have the, it's for a Quaker oatmeal, a new Quaker oatmeal. And they show these people walking around with a scale around and they're carrying it around. And it's it's heavy. And they walk in the elevator with the scale and they walk down the street with the scale and they try to get it. And they say, don't need the scale anymore. Just follow this diet and you'll be fine. But just think of it. The weight of sin is worse than that. It's worse than carrying around a scale. It's worse than carrying around a ball and chain because it's an inside thing. Nobody else can see it. You're carrying a burden that nobody else can can see it. Nobody else can feel it for you. You feel it yourself. It's a heavy weight. It's a heavy burden that only the Lord can can take care of. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And what do I do for you? I'll give you rest. Oh, What a wonderful thing. It speaks to us of the grace of God where it says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. 
Sometimes we get tired carrying around that burden. We really do. We get exhausted by it. We saw that movie Pilgrim's Progress where you saw him carrying around this load on his back and finally he came to Calvary and the load just fell off and rolled down that hill. And that's what he does with our sins. He rolls our sins away. He forgives them. He cleanses them. He takes them away. And only the Lord Jesus can do that for us. He says, I will give you rest. You know, it's not just a physical rest. We all like physical rest. We all look forward to vacation and times of relaxation. But it's more than a physical rest, he promises. It's a spiritual rest. It's down deep in your soul to know that that sin issue has been taken care of, that you're forgiven and that you know that should you die today, you'll go to heaven. You know, those are the two greatest questions you can ask yourself today. Number one is, do you know for sure that if you were to die today, that you would go to heaven? Every person has to answer that question. Oh, you might say, well, I don't have to answer it today. That's true. But one day you'll have to stand before the Lord. So now is the time to think about it. So do you know for sure that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? Second question is, if you were, were to die today and you were to stand before God and he would say, well, why should I let you in through these pearly gates into heaven? What would you answer? So many people say, well, I lived a good life. I did my best. I was religious. I went to church. I gave to the Red Cross. I helped in the tsunami. All of these things are good, but it won't get you through those gates. Only God's grace will get you through the gate. And it's only by the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. He gives us the rest and he gives us the peace because inside the battle rages. It rages on. But outside, people put a a front on like everything is okay. Everything's just fine. Inside, it's not. Inside, it's not. Only the Lord can look through our physical self into the soul and he can look in and see what's in there. And that's what he does. And he sees inside your heart today. He sees inside my heart today. He sees what's there. Do we have the desire to come to Christ? Do we have the desire to come unto him so that we can find that rest and peace in our lives. It starts with a repentance and with a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I like what Dr. Harry Ironside said about this verse. He says, no one but God manifested in the flesh could rightly use such language as this. The best man earth ever knew could use such language. All others who speak as directed by the Spirit of God point men to Christ for rest of conscience and mind. He has proved his deity times without number by his ability to fulfill this promise. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you come to Jesus today, he will do it. He will give you the rest in your soul. So that's our first point this morning. Come to Christ. And even though it's simple, it's the hardest thing a person can do is to come to Christ because it involves surrendering your will. It involves accepting him. It involves living for him. And it's very difficult for the self to get off the throne. Self likes to be in control. All of us do. We're born with that self, with that old nature that wants to be in control, wants to choose our own way, make our own decisions. But the Lord says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Then the second thing he promises here to us, he says, accept his Yoke. You know, the, the yoke in the biblical days is, is that piece of leather that was made 
and it was put down for two animals and they put their necks together and they put the yoke on them so they would work together. And even in some cultures today, they still have animals that work this way. And you cannot put two animals of the different kinds together. You can't take a horse and an ox and expect them to do the job. Won't work. Or you can't take an ox and a donkey and put them in the same yoke. It doesn't work. That's an unequal yoke. So what it takes is, is for a person to be born again and take Jesus' yoke and say, Lord, I want to be yoked with you. I want to you to be in control of my life. I want you to save me and give me a new life. Give me a new start. And that's exactly what the Lord will do. You know, when the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, he took a yoke, didn't he? He took the Father's yoke. He took the Father's will. We talked about it at the breaking of bread today. He was willing to do the Father's will no matter what. And even though it meant suffering and pain and agony on the cross, he went all the way to the cross for us. And he took that yoke upon himself. And now he's called us to follow that example and for us to take his yoke upon ourselves. Are we willing to do that today? You know, some will say, Lord Jesus, I take your yoke and then I can enjoy the life that you have for me. But as long as we're trying to take the yoke of this world, we're never going to be happy. We're never going to be satisfied. We're never going to find that peace that we're looking for. But when we're yoked with Jesus, we will be. And he says it to you and he says it to me this morning. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. When you're yoked with Jesus, it's just you and him together. It's a yoke for two. A yoke for two. It's not for three. It's not for a family. It's not for a whole church. His yoke is a one-on-one yoke. We have to humble ourselves. We have to stoop down and let the Lord put that yoke on us so that we will be under the control of him through our lives. That's what it means to be yoked with Christ. It's a partnership and it's a relationship where Jesus does all the work. We're yoked with him, but he says, I'll do all the work for you. I will help you. I will guide you. I will provide for you. And all you have to do is trust me, but you have to humble yourself to take on the yoke. You have to be yoked with me. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul uses this same analogy in 2 Corinthians 6.14 when he told the believers there, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? And you know, we as Christians that are yoked together with Christ, we can't be yoked with the world. A Christian can't go along and say, well, I guess it's all right. I can marry anybody I want and marry somebody that's not a Christian, that is what's called the unequal yoke. It does not work. And so many say, well, that person will get saved. That man will get saved. That woman will get saved. It doesn't work. It ends in one word, disaster. It does. It ends in disaster if you have the unequal yoke. And not only a marriage yoke, but it can be a business yoke. Some Christians have had good intentions. They said, I want to go into business, whether it's insurance or or computers, or some other kind of uh, business, landscaping, whatever it is, and I'm going to go in it with my neighbor. My neighbor and I are going to go into business together. Well, is your neighbor a Christian? Well, he's not a Christian, but he's a nice guy, very business savvy, and, and he's so intelligent. He's got some good money to put into it, too. So I'm going to take him on as a partner. That's not biblical, folks. That's an unequal yoke, too. May look good. May look like it's going to work out real good. Again, it's going to end in the D word, disaster, because you're unequally yoked with that person. Or it can be a close friendship. 
You say, who's your, who's your best friend? Well, my best friend is so-and-so. But Joe over here. Is Joe a Christian? No, he's not a Christian. Does he go to church? No, he doesn't go to church. Does he read his word? Is he a godly man? No. You are being influenced by Joe. You're being unequally yoked with Joe. He's going to rub off on you. You don't want that. That's an unequal yoke. When you're yoked with Christ, you have to be yoked with him completely and you have to be yoked with other believers, not unbelievers, because the unbelievers are going to drag down the Christian every time. There you are. You can say, I'm going to be a blessing to that person and you can try to be. But if you have a close friendship or relationship with that person, it's not going to work. We have to have the equal yoke. And there's such a great blessing by being yoked to Christ because there's such love and power in that yoke. As we surrender to him and surrender our will to him and say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Take that yoke upon you. Notice what kind of yoke it is. It tells us right here. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your soul. And in verse 30, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is the truth right there. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Now, Satan will come along to you and say the opposite. Don't take the yoke of Christ. You'll never have any fun anymore. You'll never be able to go out and enjoy yourself. You'll never be able to do this or that. No, you don't want Jesus' yoke. It's too rigid, too restrictive, too legalistic or whatever he uses. And Satan whispers in a person's ear, don't take that yoke. But his yoke is what? Easy. And his burden is light. He doesn't put these kind of restrictions on us. He frees us from our sin and gives us a new life where we can have liberty and freedom over sin. That's what it means to be yoked up with Christ. And that's the life the Master has for us. It's not a heavy yoke. I like what verse 30 says in the Amplified Bible. We've been reading it quite a bit. It says, For my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, not sharp or pressing, but comfortable, gracious and pleasant. And my burden is light and easy to be borne. What a beautiful yoke the yoke of Christ is. It really is. It's a beautiful yoke. And you know it fits every person. He has different sizes. Oh, don't worry. He's got one for Mike and he's got one for Vicky and he's got one for Ron. He's got one for Carl. He's got one for George. He has it perfectly fitted for us. And that yoke won't fit anybody else. It just fits you and Jesus together. And if you're willing to humble yourself and say, Lord Jesus, I take your yoke, whatever may come. No matter what happens to me, I'm going to take your yoke. I'm going to keep it on until we go home to heaven. I'm going to be surrendered to you. That's what the Lord wants to do with us. He wants us to take the yoke of Christ. The Apostle Paul told the Galatians in chapter 5 and verse 1, he said, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. That's what the world gives, a yoke of bondage. You're in bondage to sin. But when he saves you, he gives you a different yoke. It's a yoke of liberty. Not a liberty to go out and do what we want, but a liberty to do his will. Come what may and accept his life that he has for us. You know, he has a life for you, Alan. He has a life for you, Ken. He has a life for you, Sean. It's a plan. And he says the only way the plan's going to be working is if you give me control. If you get in that yoke and say, Lord Jesus... Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. It's a yoke. But the question is, which yoke will you choose? Sometimes people who profess to be Christians, sometimes true Christians, will try to wear both yokes. And you can't do it. You can't wear two yokes. The yoke of the world, 
the yoke of Christ. You and I have to choose which yoke will we put on. And if we put on the yoke of Christ, it means a life of complete surrender, complete yieldedness to the Savior. And it is the life of victory over the world, the flesh and the devil. Christ's yoke. So now we know a little bit more about what a yoke is. Are you willing to take on the yoke of Christ? Or are you still tempted to go to that other yoke? No. May the Lord help us to take our, the yoke of Christ and be willing to bear his cross wherever we go. So the first point, come to Jesus. Come to him. Second point, take the yoke. Accept the yoke. And now the third point is learn from him. I like what the Savior says. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You know, Jesus is the greatest teacher. That, I think, most people in the world will, will acknowledge. Even though they don't acknowledge him as the Savior, they will acknowledge that he was a tremendous teacher. He taught, taught with parables. He taught with passion. He taught with love and gentleness. And before we're saved, we're learning from a different teacher. And that's Satan. Satan is our teacher. He's teaching us how to live for the world, how to go through life and do whatever pleases the senses and pleases the flesh. But when we come to the Lord Jesus, he's got to retrain us. He's got to reteach us. We've been studying in the book of Exodus about Moses. And remember back when Moses left Egypt, he had spent the first 40 years in his life learning the ways of Egypt, which is a symbol of this world. 40 years he learned it. And then he had to go out in the desert and unlearn it for the next 40 years and to learn what God would teach him. Isn't that amazing? 40 years he learned the world, 40 years he learned the Lord. And guess what? The Lord washed away those old 40 years. It's like the song says, wasted years, wasted years, oh how foolish. And when we don't have Christ in our lives, all those years, they're just wasted. But he's so merciful. He says, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forth to the things which are before. We press on for the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We take his yoke, we learn from him. You know, it's amazing how patient the Lord was with his disciples. He taught them for three and a half years. Did they learn the first time? No. Did they learn the second time? No. It's amazing. They got out and the, and the Lord fed 5,000 people with a few loaves and fish. Did they learn the lesson? No. Then the next occasion comes, there's 4,000 there. They say, Lord, where are we going to get food to feed all these people? And the Lord is probably saying, don't you remember not long ago, I fed 5,000. That's 1,000 more. Don't you remember the miracle? You know, he, he was so patient with them. And then they're talking about important subjects, going to the cross and all of this. And they're saying, which one of us do you think is the greatest? And Peter said, well, maybe it's me. And John probably thought, maybe it's me. Or Andrew thought, maybe it's me. And they're talking about who's the greatest. And the Lord is just shaking his head. And he brings a little child to them and say, he who comes to me like a little child will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The Lord was so patient. He's so patient with us today. Are we any better or any different than the disciples of old? No. He taught them for three and a half years and they didn't get it. But then they did when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And sometimes in our Christian walk, we can go a long time where he's just patient with us. We're making slow progress. He wants us to grow. And the only way to grow is to not be off on our own with the yoke of the world or the yoke of ourselves, but to be yoked with him. We will make progress. We will make great progress and growth when we take his yoke upon us and learn from him. And you know, there's three ways you can teach somebody. The Lord is the greatest teacher. Three ways. The first way is you can tell them what to do. 
Now, that in itself, by itself, is the most ineffective way to teach somebody. You tell them what to do and say, go do it. That's not that effective. The second way you can teach them is to show them what to do. That's better. So not only do you tell them what to do, but you show them. Here, you do this, you do that, and you do this. That's good. But there's one better way. And this is the way that Jesus did it. He not only taught them what to do, told them what to do. He showed them what to do, and he did it with them. I love that. If somebody wants to teach you something and they say, let me show you how to do it. Now, let me do it with you. Let me guide you. And that's what he does. He says, Dean, give me your hands and I'll guide your hands to serve me. Give me your feet and I'll direct your feet. Give me your soul. Give me your all. And that's what he wants us to do. And he wants to to teach us many lessons. But we're kind of slow. We're slow learners sometimes. And he's so gentle. Notice he says here in this passage, In in verse uh, 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. What a teacher. Wouldn't you love to have a teacher like that that's gentle and patient and and doesn't doesn't get upset with you? And even if you make the same mistake over again, some teachers, they don't get patient at all. Professors in college, for instance, oh, they're not patient at all. They are just they think that's a dumb question. There have been professors I've heard of. Somebody's raised their hand. They say, that's a dumb question. That makes you feel terrible. The Lord never said that's a dumb question. Even if he had to answer the same question again, he never says that's a dumb question. He's gentle. He's lowly. That's the kind of teacher we want to have. In the Amplified Bible, it says, I am gentle or meek, humble and lowly in heart. And that's the way the Lord Jesus was. I mean, imagine this is God here who came down to our world in humility in lowliness, in gentleness. It's amazing. And when we yoke up our lives with the Lord and we're yoked with Him, we find that He's so patient with us and so gentle with us. Dr. Ironside said, a yoke is designed to curb the will and bring one under control. He who exchanges sin's heavy burden for the glorious yoke of subjection to the Lord finds it blessed indeed to serve so good a master. You know, the Lord Jesus is such a good master. We're going to be studying this week, right? The slave, the servant in uh, Exodus. I can't wait. We've studied it before. It's a blessing. The servant who wanted to serve his master the rest of his life. And we're going to talk about it Wednesday night and how they, they put an awl at the doorpost and they punched it through on that person's ear. And that servant was going to be a servant forever. He couldn't change his mind. When he decided he was going to serve his master, it was a complete change. It was a complete decision. No turning back. And that's the kind of decision the Lord wants. You say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to take your yoke. I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to surrender my will to yours. Lord, have it all. Take it all, Lord. Take all the keys of my life. Take everything and let me bear your yoke. Yes, he has so much to teach us. He wants us to walk as he walked. Like it says in 1 John 2, 6, he who abides in him ought himself also to walk as he walked. You know, it's a real challenge. You know that I like that expression. W.W.J.D. We're going to ask one of the kids this morning if they know what that stands for. W.W.J.D. Do you know what that stands for? Alexander. Say it real loud. Isn't that give, give him a hand. Isn't that beautiful? He knows. This is beautiful. These kids are learning so much. I feel not jealous of you, but I wish I wish when I was his age that I knew what he knew. I wish at his age 
I had what he had because he is learning from his youth. He loves the Lord. He's growing up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And these kids are scholars, believe me. They know more than so many people anywhere. And it's so great. And they ask good questions too. Daniel, uh, Brian's uh, son, asked some tremendous questions. How old is he? 10, I think. 10 years old. And he asked questions that will actually be harder questions than an adult will ask. Really, I'm serious. He asked good questions. And he'll come up to me and Brian says, Daniel has a question for you. I said, okay. He's going to ask me a good question. I know it. And he asked me a good question. And then I answer it and he listens and he understands it. It's tremendous. We can be so thankful, really, for our kids, for our Sunday school teachers, for our parents that are teaching them the Word of God. It's tremendous. It really is. And it's all because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're all in school. We're all in school in the school of God. And we're not going to graduate from that school until He comes and takes us to heaven. And until then, Lord, teach us. We want to learn. We have so much to learn. It's like the hymn writer says, Teach me thy way, O Lord. Teach me thy way. Thy guiding grace afford, teach me thy way. Help me to walk aright, more by faith, less by sight. Lead me with heavenly light, teach me thy way. That should be a good prayer for us as we get up tomorrow morning. Lord, teach me your way today. Teach me how to live. Teach me what you would want me to do, what you would have me to say, how you would have me to live my life. What would Jesus do? It's great because when you see that, it reminds you, that little slogan reminds you, how would Jesus have handled the situation? What would he have said? What would he have done? And when you think of it that way, then what should I do? That's exactly what he wants me to do, to be like Jesus. So may the Lord challenge us today with these few simple things to remember this outline. The key thing is to come to Christ. And if you're here today and you're not sure if you're saved, why not be sure today? Why not know for sure today that you're going to go to heaven? Why not know for sure that if something was to happen to you, God forbid, but if something happened, you know for sure you're going to go to heaven. And Jesus said you can know. It says in the scripture, by this all men shall know that they are my disciples if they have love for one another. And we can know with assurance that if we accept Jesus Christ by faith, we'll have eternal life. And we'll have the assurance of it. And if we come to Christ today, he asks that he's got a yoke. And he says, will you take my yoke? Will you accept it? It's a yoke made for you. It's got your name on it. But it's up to you. It's your decision. He never forces us. That's what's amazing about the Lord. And I I think his love for us is so incredible because he never forces you to do anything. It's your, your choice. Your choice, my choice. Will I be saved today? Will I accept him as my Lord and Savior? Will I take that yoke upon me? It's my choice. He's given me the choice. But what's the alternative? Reject him? Not accept him? Go to hell? That's the alternative. It's really no choice at all because he's given us the best life, the best salvation that anyone could have. And then he says to learn from me. Learn from the Savior. He has so much to teach us. We can read through the Gospels and just find the beautiful teachings of Christ and then the epistles, the things that were written afterwards. And then the Old Testament. Don't neglect the Old Testament. I love to read it because you can find Christ in every page. You can be blessed by every lesson of the Old Testament. You can learn so much. And He has so much He wants to teach us. Someone suggested if Jesus had a sign, get this, outside His carpenter shop, the sign might read this, my yokes fit well. 
I like that. You know, if there was a sign outside Jesus Carpenter Shop there in Nazareth, my yokes fit well. Fits perfect. He's got one for Ron. He's got one for Roger. He's got one for Barbara. He's got one for all of us. But we have to be willing to stoop down and say, okay, Lord, put your neck down so your neck will fit in the yoke with him and say, all the way, Lord, all the way. Committed to you all the way. Will you be yoked with Christ today? It's the best thing. His yokes fit the best. His yokes feel the best. His yokes work the best for time and eternity. Shall we just close in a word of prayer this morning? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word that is so challenging and inspiring to us today. Your invitation is still going forth to come to you, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you will give rest. Lord, we have to take your yoke upon us and learn from you, for you are gentle and lowly in heart. And you will give rest for our souls. Lord, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. The yoke of this world is so rough. It's so tough. It's so hard. It's so miserable. But the yoke of Christ is so easy and light. Lord, the world wants to make us think that we're missing out on so much when we're not. We're missing out on sin and we're glad to miss that out. But Lord, we thank you that you've given us a good life. You've given us fun together. We have fun We have enjoyment and fellowship in Christ. And Lord, we are not missing anything. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And it's not a restrictive life. It's a life of joy and love and encouragement. We just pray now you'll dismiss us with your blessing. Help us as we go to our homes, Lord, to be willing to say, Lord Jesus, I will take your yoke and be yoked with you. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Amen.